Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Thanksgiving is not a day of the year. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle that lasts throughout the year. We are to give thanks in all things. Recognizing the power of Thanksgiving. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. I've always found it curious that we have one day per year set aside to give thanks for all the blessings God has given to us. Shouldn't we make an effort to be thankful every day? Here's David with part one of his message, Thanksgiving in All Things. Well, today I want to talk to you uh, in a continual step of this series on Thanksgiving. What I wanted to do was to realize that Thanksgiving is not something we celebrate last weekend of November, but it really is an attitude that's very much connected to Christmas. And last week we looked at the whole idea that most miracles are preceded by a heart of Thanksgiving in the Bible. When you look at Jesus, for example, in feeding the 5,000, he broke five loaves and two fish, but before he did so, he gave thanks to God. And then the miracle happened with Lazarus who was dead. Before Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus gave thanksgiving and then the miracle occurred. So if you're looking for a Christmas miracle this year, let's begin with thanksgiving. Let's begin with the power of thanksgiving. Uh, Today's message is basically this one. Thanksgiving is not a day of the year. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle that lasts throughout the year. Keep that in mind. Thanksgiving is not a day of the year. Thanksgiving is every day throughout the year. It's an attitude of mine. It's a lifestyle. So let's look at the power of Thanksgiving in another step today. And the whole message is centered around this theme. We are to give thanks in all things. Say that after me. We are to give thanks in all things. Not some things, a few things, but in all things. From Psalm 107, verse 1. Read it with me, in fact. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures how long? Forever. Forever. Then Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6 that thanksgiving should accompany every single one of our prayers. So whenever you pray to God, make sure that thanksgiving is a part of your prayer life. Read this with me. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Let thanksgiving always be included in every single one of your prayers. And finally, this is the text I'll spring upon and use mostly today. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul wrote, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in how many circumstances? In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm. So it's pretty clear, isn't it? That we're to give thanks in how many things? <laughs> I know you hate it, but I looked up the word all in the dictionary this week. It means, <laughs> it means all. It means all, folks. And in everything, we are to give thanks to God for somehow he's working out his will In everything, it's easy to thank God in the good stuff, isn't it? But the Bible teaches that we're not only supposed to thank God in the good times, the Bible teaches we're also to thank God during the bad times, in all things. And what you might not know about our Michael 
is that when he was in sixth grade, um, he was cut from his middle school basketball team. Now, in a Chadwick household, that's not good news. Uh, his older brother was an all-state player, a Division I scholarship awardee, and of course, many of you know I played collegiately. Um, and when Michael got cut, it just devastated him. Now, he was beginning to swim and play basketball both, and it was really, really hard. And I went to talk to the coach, why did he get cut? And the coaches basically said, he didn't play very well. So how do you go back to your son and say, he just didn't play very well, trying to give the excuse for why he didn't make the team? And yet, folks, him getting cut from that basketball team was what forced him to swim full-time. That's when he gave up basketball and just devoted himself to swimming. So the worst thing that happened to him during that time period became what? The best thing that could happen to him. So we thanked God at that time, trying to learn how to do this. Thank you, Lord, he didn't make it. We trust you. What you might not know as well is that Michael that morning swam the 50 free individually and you have to make the top eight to have a chance for the medal. He finished ninth. And Marilyn went, are you kidding me, Lord? And then we had to say, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for ninth. Thank you, Lord, for ninth. Because you're in it somehow, working your will out. I think that's partly what motivated him that night to swim so well, but thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then that next day, after he got the Olympic gold, I mean, excuse me, the world championship gold, he swam the 100 free, which is his best event, and he finished 16th. My first response, oh, come on. Thank you, Lord, for 16th, because somehow you're in it and working all things together for good. In, in front of Marilyn and me was a gentleman from Libya, and this was another powerful moment for me. He had a huge Libyan flag. And his son was in the 100 free where Michael finished 16th. And his son finished 88th. And when his meet was over, it was posted on the board, he finished 88th. The man's jumping up and down, waving his Libyan flag like this. And he's screaming out, my son finished 88th. My son finished 88th. And he puts the flag down, starts blowing kisses to his son on the pool deck. My son finished 88th. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, give me that kind of sense of thanksgiving. That if Michael finishes 88th, I'm blowing kisses to him. Because somehow, you're in it. Somehow, you're working everything together for good. Somehow your will is being done. Now you need to know, I don't think you're supposed to give thanks for things like cancer, things like child abuse, gang killings, forcing yourself on someone. I don't think we're supposed to give thanks for that because they're never a part of God's original intent. God didn't create the world with that kind of evil. It's part of the fall and the brokenness of our world. But though we don't give thanks for those things happening, we give thanks for God working even through those. That's what we do. It's hard to understand, but it's a powerful spiritual tool. Folks, we talk about spiritual disciplines like prayer and, and fasting Here's a spiritual discipline that's often overlooked. It's the powerful spiritual discipline of giving thanks to God 
during the bad times. It is a tool the enemy, and we do have an enemy of our souls, don't we? Who hates us, wants to destroy us. When we give thanks to God in the bad things that he is the author of, God's not the author of evil, the evil one is, when we give thanks during those times, he says, you mean I did that to you and you still love God? And you still give thanks to him and you still praise him? It thwarts and neuters his power like nothing else. It's a spiritual discipline to choose to give thanks to God in the bad times. Now, let me share with you what I think is the opposite of thanksgiving that my bet is will touch every single one of us today. The opposite of thanksgiving is complaining. And God hates complaining because the major reason that God allows the bad stuff to happen, he's sovereign over it and he's using it for good. The major reason he lets it happen in your life is so you won't complain and you'll be driven deeply into him. God's goal for every one of our lives, mine especially, is to drive me deeply into Christ It's to drive us into him where we totally and finally surrender everything to him. Where we live in complete dependence upon him and nothing else in this world. Where we say, be still and know that I am God regularly in our hearts. I'm gonna cease striving and I'm going to trust you, Lord, totally and completely. Are you there yet? We cling to such puny things of this world, the tawdry baubles of this kingdom that don't last forever. And God wants to pry our puny fingers away from the things of this world that don't last and grasp him and him alone. Giving thanks in all things allows that to happen. When you wait upon the Lord and you don't have what you want, you learn the spiritual discipline of waiting, you're practicing giving thanks in all things. And you're trusting God to work it out in his plan, in his way. But be careful about complaining. It's the opposite of thanksgiving. In fact, Paul in Philippians 2 verse 14 said, Do all things without grumbling or disputing or or complaining. Do, I hate that word all, don't you? (laughs) We're never supposed to complain. Never. But let me give you some facts. And this comes from psychology today. Not from the Bible, though all truth is God's truth. Here's some facts about complaining. First of all, scientists have studied complaining and that every single human being complains of at least once every minute. Every minute, it becomes a habit within us. And and here's what happens in your brain when you start to complain. Your neurons fire whenever you express any emotion, especially one that's negative. And if one keeps happening over and over again, there's a a phrase that scientists use. um, If your brain fires it, it wires it. If your brain fires it, it wires it. 
So when you think a negative thought, especially complaining, your brain fires it, and the more you do it, the more the neurons start massing outward, and they start building bridges to one another. So that complaining becomes a habit. It's something you do all the time. What you need to know, though, is complaining has serious consequences, first of all, to your physical health. The place in the brain where those neurons fire and start to build bridges to one another is the place in your brain where Alzheimer's most happens. So maybe one of the cures to Alzheimer's is learning how to give thanks in all things. When you start having those neurons fire more and more, they release into your body cortisol. And for those of you who are physically smart, you know cortisol is what's released when you go into a fight or flight mode. It's your body's way of giving you what you need when you're in a tough situation, either to face it or to run away. But too much cortisol can cause all kinds of problems in your human body. It's been directly related to belly fat. It's directly related to diabetes. It's directly related to high cholesterol. (laughs) It's directly related to heart disease. You get the picture. That complaining causes bad physical health. It also causes relational problems. There's something in social science called neural mirroring. What's that? It's whenever someone releases an emotion they're feeling, it causes others to be drawn to it. There's a good neural mirroring. What's that? It's empathy. When you have someone who expresses something to you that's painful in their lives, you're drawn to enter into their world and try to help them, right? That's a good thing. But when it's complaining, it initially draws people to you, and in a bad way, the person drawn to you starts mirroring the very neural imaging, the complaining that's going on, so that a person who's drawn into that complaining becomes a what? A complainer. Think of secondhand smoke. You're in a place where one or two or five people are smoking and you inhale that smoke, you start to take on potentially the very symptoms of that smoke in their lives in your own. So when you're around complaining people, Either you'll be drawn into it and start complaining yourself, and then what you do is you have a huge pity party with your friends. And that person will stay with you probably for a season. Then afterwards, isn't this true? They get tired of the negativism and the complaining and the downers, and eventually, what happens? They leave. I can't speak for you, but I want to be surrounded by people who believe in my dreams, who have hopes in what God may do in my life, 
who think positive about who I am and my future. And when I'm with complaining people, I show empathy, but after a while I leave. So there is a relational damage to complaining. It may for a moment allow somebody to enter into your pity party, but eventually you'll be isolated and left alone. That's why God hates complaining. It has physical ramifications, emotional ramifications, relational ramifications. If you remember... God freed the Israelites from the captivity of the Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea. They got to the other side. The Egyptians were all killed, and they throw one praise party. Thanksgiving is everywhere around them. They thank God for his deliverance. It's beautiful. And then they go out into the wilderness, and suddenly food is a bit scarce. There's not much water, and what do they start doing? They start, what, folks? Complaining. And God listens to it, and after a while, he says, okay, you complain, you remain. You complain, you remain. And what did he do? 40 laps around the wilderness for 40 years until they died off in a new generation filled with faith came to the fore. You see, folks, complaining is unbelief verbalized. Complaining is unbelief verbalized, and God hates unbelief. But thanksgiving is faith verbalized. Thanksgiving is faith verbalized. And thanksgiving is saying to God, no matter what's going on, I thank you because I know somehow, some way, though it's tough, you're in it, you're working through it, It's for good. I may not see it for a while, but I trust you. I'm totally dependent upon you. I surrender everything to you. And Thanksgiving replaces complaining, which is where God wants us to be, because positive people, people filled with joy and thanksgiving, draw positive people. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about keeping a Thanksgiving list. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, we'll work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. 
Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great being with you, Jen. I hope you're well. I am well. Thank you. Well, the holidays are here, and for many of us, they can be a mixed blessing. But you have a great remedy for the holiday blues. Yeah, I really do. And and it's appropriate to this week because this week is Thanksgiving week, and there's something powerful about giving thanks Mm -hmm. somehow in your cognitive thinking to replace all the negative stuff that's happened to us all. We all have gone through tough places. Life is bruised and broken, but Jesus promised that he would not extinguish a smoldering wick. Mm. He would not break a bruised reed. So he's with us in these tough times, and I think one of the ways he's given us to overcome those difficult thought patterns and life situations is by giving thanks. There is a power available to us by simply giving thanks. And I think that's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 103, verse 2 is, bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget all of God's benefits to us. There's power in thanksgiving. It can heal the mind. It can give you hope like nothing else before. I love this so much because it's simple yet profound. And this practice that you have written about today and we're talking about is list making and making a list of the things that we're thankful for. And, you know, this really is life changing. And I'll just share something from my life. Um, My family is going through a particularly hard time right now. And this is a practice that my mom has told me that has been transformative. She is. What's What's she doing? Well, every morning before she gets out of bed, she will make a list in her mind. She's not writing it down yet, but in her mind, she will think of three things to be grateful for. Just three things. Just three things. And that sets the tone for the day. Mm. We have uh, a friend in my family who was going through severe depression. And at this point in her life, she was a teen. Interestingly, Jen, that between the ages of 10 and 34 today, uh, the second major killer of Americans is suicide. If you can imagine 10-year-olds who are taking their lives, it Mm. is happening. And those of us living in Charlotte, North Carolina, have seen repeated examples of that over the last several weeks. Well, she was in a severe depression. So we exhorted her, just start making a Thanksgiving list. As hard as it may be, please do it. Well, at first, she couldn't do it. She was in such deep depression, she could not even think of anything for which she was thankful. So we asked her, well, just look around you and find something. And so she started noticing, interestingly, her next breath. Hmm. She noticed every morsel of food she ingested. She noticed colors, the green grass, the blue skies. She noticed birds chirping. Mm. Uh, She noticed her next step that she was able to walk, where she also realized there were paraplegics in the world who could not walk at all. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, as she began making that list that went from one to two to three over a couple of few weeks for which she could be thankful, then it got to be dozens upon dozens upon dozens. And then six 
months later after her severe depression, which I'll admit did involve some thoughts of suicide, Mm. this wonderful, beautiful teen came out of her depression and was ignited with a joy she'd never had before that lasts to this day years later on. This is so powerful. We would just encourage all of our listeners to start making a list today. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jen. And that list, folks, will set you free and make you thankful like never before. Look forward to talking with you all tomorrow. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moment of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to begin making a list of things you're thankful for this year. 